Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. The scripture reading for this Sunday is Mark 6, 6, 13. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority to, over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. This is the word of the Lord. So friends, this is our last uh, week in our sermon series that's called Weak and Strong. And uh, I am so excited about this Sunday. I know as a pastor, I have to preach every Sunday or most Sundays. This Sunday, I'm excited about this message because it's been rolling around in my mind for three years. This came from a conversation I had at a retreat and uh, with the speaker, and it's, it's plagued me in a really good way. It's just, I haven't been able to shake it, and so I'm so excited about sharing it with you guys. For just a recap, this is the, uh, this, this series called Weak and Strong is, is uh, exploring this idea that for us to live a life with Jesus means that we are called to live with two different characteristics strength and weakness. But to make it a little bit more uh, uh, tangible for us, we've actually used the word authority and vulnerability. And to help with that, this idea of authority and vulnerability, we have this grid that we've been using. And uh, don't worry, this is the last week that you'll have to see me on a whiteboard scribbling here. But uh, So this is the grid. So when this helps people place themselves and where they are living with authority, when, where are they living with vulnerability? So if you're living with high authority, it's up here, low authority, high vulnerability, low vulnerability. And the reality is that we are somewhere on this grid today. Either we're living with authority or we're not. We're living with vulnerability or we're not. And it's interesting, an interesting spiritual practice to place ourselves on that grid. Last week, we talked about the surprising power that comes in vulnerability. And to help us, we had a, a definition that we use for vulnerability. And it, vulnerability for us is the capacity to be wounded. So either we're living with the capacity to be wounded or we're not. Either we have been placed in vulnerable places, we're in a vulnerable place in life, or we choose to live with vulnerability. Or some of us, we've chosen to be guarded and protected and safe and secure where we're not able to be wounded. The, the surprise is that Paul taught us this in his letter to a church in a place called Corinth. He actually taught us that when we are weak, when we are vulnerable, then we are strong. Like God loves to display his strength when we are vulnerable. It's the surprising part for us. So vulnerability is actually for us, we believe it's actually a part of following Jesus. Because Jesus lived with the capacity of being wounded. And its unique power is found when we follow Jesus there. And it's only after we have now discovered this idea of vulnerability that we can start to think about authority. Because for most of us, the idea of authority doesn't come with vulnerability. The actual, the, for me, the concept of authority has had an identity crisis as of late. 
Harvard Business Review, it shared a, uh, a study that they've been doing for the last 17 years. They've been tracking people's trust levels. Trust in different areas of, of their life. Trust with government, trust with media, trust with business, trust with non-government organizations. And 2017 was the first time that trust decreased in all sectors of our society. So in every aspect of our life, people had said that they have lost trust with the things, the organizations in their culture. So we're now taught in many ways to be suspicious of our government, to be suspicious of our media. People are now, they don't trust their employers to make decisions that benefit them. Many ways, it's because we've seen the abuses of power. We've seen the, the, the problems with Wall Street, the abuses of power in politics. We've seen the abuses of power in our homes and our societies. And yes, we've seen the abuse of powers in church too. And so we walk through life having learned to be suspicious of authority. And many people in our society, they, they protect the idea of authority. And other people in our society, they have, they have deconstructed the idea of authority so much that, uh, you know, there's nothing good about the idea of authority. And we've personalized it. I can have my own sense of, of truth, and you can have your own sense of truth, as long as it doesn't impede on mine, right? That's a, a part of our cultural narrative that we have now. And uh, it's interesting for me is when we introduced this idea of authority, I had many people say, could we just choose a different word? Is there another word we can choose other than authority? Uh, and I know it, it causes confusion, for us to, to use this word. But here's my goal, is that looking at the life of Jesus, that I hope we move beyond just deconstructing authority to, to realize that there's a harder, more redemptive work in living with true Jesus-like authority. It's, it's something that's powerful. And yes, we could just get, get rid of the word, but one of the reasons why I was passionate about staying with that word is that it's actually in our scripture, this word authority. I had someone in our, in our church community say, you know, it's interesting, I think I can only think of one time where the word authority was used in the Bible, in the New Testament. And being the nice pastor, I said, oh, that's cool. And then later on, I did a word study, because I was like, there's no way. Do you guys have a number in your mind of how many times the word authority is in either the Gospels of Jesus or the letters following Jesus? 102. 102 times the word authority appears in our scripture. And so for me to just kind of take this word out or deconstruct it, for me, it seems like we're missing out a very crucial part of the Christian life. The life of following Jesus seems to come with and through authority. We can't just get rid of it. We need to find a different way of defining it. So the way we've defined it for this series is to live with authority means you have the capacity to create meaningful change. If you're living with authority, you're able to be a change agent in this world. And that's either for good or for bad. You're able to live with authority. And for us, as we look through the Gospels, it seems like this is a, a fundamental part of following Jesus. It means that we are called to live with a type of authority that's gracious and redemptive. Jesus flipped the, up, the, the idea of authority up, upside down. And here's a good example of this. So when Jesus lived and walked on this world, he lived in, in Israel, and Israel was actually conquered by Rome. So Rome, the empire of Rome had expanded into Israel, and so 
something interesting was happening. So Rome would go into new places. They would conquer these uh, new, new, uh, new nations, new people groups through violent means. They'd dominate them. And then they would, they would acquire them as their people. They would tax them. They would consider their, their land a part of Rome's land. And any time they did that, they would send out a report to the other, other parts of the Roman Empire saying, hey, good news. We dominated another people. They're now a part of our community now. And this report that they sent out was actually called uh, their version of good news. It, it was actually like the word gospel was this word, good news, that any time Rome would take over a new place, they would send out the gospel of how Rome dominated and was in power. And so what Jesus did, I love this. So this idea of Rome's gospel was here, it was high in authority, but it wasn't vulnerable at all, right? It was through domination, through violence, And so Jesus took this word, and when he started living in this world, he started talking about how his kingdom was expanding. It was going into new people groups. It was going into places where it hadn't been before, and people's lives were being transformed. And Jesus took this word in like a protest movement. He took this word, and he said, I want to talk to you about my gospel. I I want to tell you, about my gospel, and it's something that's so different than Rome's. My gospel is not through oppression and suppression. It's actually deliverance. It's mercy. It's freedom. And so Jesus, he lived a life contrasting Rome's gospel and his gospel. Rome's power and Jesus' power. Rome's authority and Jesus' authority. And wherever he lived, he wanted his kingdom to break into new places, to new people. And this was good news. Isn't Isn't that interesting that we see, even in the word gospel, how Jesus flipped the idea of authority upside down? In the Gospel of Luke, the first thing that Jesus did is he stepped into public ministry. He went to the temple and he read aloud from a book called Isaiah, he unrolled the scrolls in the, temp, the, scrolls in the, in the, in the temple, and then he said this. Now notice the type of power and authority that Jesus is describing. Uh, in verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is on me. God's power and authority is on me. Get ready, get, get ready because you're gonna notice something about my power. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news, the gospel to the poor, He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And I love this. Then Jesus rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, sat down, and everybody's, their eyes were fixed on him. Everybody, they in that synagogue, they were just fastened on Jesus. And he said to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And then Jesus dropped the mic. Boom. This uh, right here is the preamble for the life of Jesus. This right here is depicting the type of power that Jesus would live with. The type of power that would be unleashed in this world. The authority of Jesus uh, was not declared that the Savior, this was not only declaring that Jesus was the Savior, but 
he also was describing what that salvation would be like. And notice that good news to the poor, freedom for the slaves, sight for the blind, deliverance for the oppressed. This is incredibly important because Jesus comes to people all over this. Jesus met with all sorts of people, but there's one group that Jesus was really, really concerned with. And who was it? Right here. The oppressed, the enslaved, the blind. It seemed as if Jesus intentionally was going after these people and said, it's time for you to experience my authority. And deliverance happened. Sight happened. Freedom happened. And it's happened over and over again through Jesus' life. Jesus didn't just live this authority out, though. He didn't do this through domination. He didn't choose to do this like Rome did. Jesus' authority leaked out of his vulnerable presence. Jesus offered himself, and it was powerful. He was like a catalyst. Wherever he went, things changed. I like it for me. I like to imagine a greasy pan and a drop of soap happening, and then just this incredible reaction happens. That's how Jesus lived. Wherever he went, hopelessness would flee. Loneliness would evaporate. Emptiness would be filled. That this was the type of authority and vulnerability that Jesus was living out. But Jesus didn't only do this for himself, but he also called his followers to live in the same way. This is Matthew 20, verse 25. Jesus called them together. And he said this to his disciples or his students, the followers that, were, that Jesus had. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. Their high officials exercise authority over them. Jesus is saying, you've seen how the world functions, right? And by the way, it's still the same. You've seen how this happens. All authority, no vulnerability, all top left. And then Jesus said, not so with you. Not so with us, friends. We can't think that we're seriously following Jesus and seeking to live out of any other place than with authority and vulnerability. Not so with you, Jesus said. If you want to follow me, you have to be willing to be made vulnerable. And so instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. If you want to follow me, don't think I'm going to the king's palace on a throne. I'm, I'm going to be like a servant getting ready to wash people's feet. That is what I'm planning on doing. That is what you're called to do as well. So Jesus lived this out with these 12 students or disciples for this journey. And by the way, they were ordinary people. We might imagine them as some spiritual giants. They weren't. They were ordinary. They were misfits. They were common, not scholars, not champions, not heroes or powerful. But God took these ordinary people and changed the world with them. I love what he did in Mark 6. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the 12 to him. He began to send them out two by two, giving them authority over impure spirits. I love this. So Jesus says, all right, you've seen me do this. Now it's your turn. But notice what he gave them. He gave them authority. He gave them power. Verse 8, these were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. 
Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. It's an interesting strategy here that Jesus was sending them out with authority, but he was also doing something else here. He was stripping them. He was taking away their own self-provision. He was pulling that away. No bag, no money, really. What Jesus was doing is, I want to send you out with my authority, but I want to get you to a place where you're dependent upon me. Because think about it. Like right now, if I said, okay, you are being sent to Bastrop. I'm going to send you to Bastrop with all of God's authority, but give me your keys, your wallet, and your cell phone. Can you do that? Would you feel a little bit vulnerable in doing that? But what's the, what's the itinerary? Like, wh- who am I going to meet there? Just go and heal and transform, and I'll be with you. I think many of us would go, uh, I need more than that. But Jesus was sending them out with authority, but also with vulnerability. He was sending them out with that. And I love this in verse 12. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Jesus wanted his kingdom to expand, that this gospel could be reached in new places. And I love that what he said is, I want you to follow me. I want you uh, to see how I do this. Jesus didn't take them to school or give them a binder. Jesus lived out his authority and vulnerability in front of them. Like a master craftsman, these disciples were like the apprentices who got to see Jesus live this out. And then, well before they were prepared, without warning, Jesus said, okay, now it's your turn. Go do it. I'm giving you with power I'm giving you a friend, and that's all you need. It's interesting to me that Jesus' strategy is still to, is still to take confused, underdeveloped people and expose them to their dependence on God so that they could go into this world with transforming power. Uh, to drive home this point even more, I want you to notice what Jesus does in his last moments with his disciples in Matthew. This is called the Great Commission, which means like the Great Sending. Matthew 28, then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. And with that, Matthew's gospel is over with. It's done. Because I think for us, we're supposed to read that and hear and feel this really strong to be continued. Like, (laughs) the reason why the gospel was over at this was that the story was just getting started. Jesus' ministry did not end with merely living the perfect life and dying on the cross, being raised from the dead. That's where, for many of us, that's where our gospel message ends, is like how I get access to salvation, But Jesus was not done there because Jesus then took redeemed and transformed people and then sent them, commissioned them to go into the world, to every quadrant on this grid, and go and seek healing and seek restoration and deliverance. Go into the places that are too dark, to the places that have been written off, and seek to give authority and vulnerability there. Friends, by the very nature of you being a follower of Jesus, you are sent. You are sent with authority. Wherever you go, God has sent you. God has sent you to the cubicle where you're four feet away from someone 
who's wondering why they are living on this world. They're wondering what their purpose is. God is sending you into your homes where kids need to know what it means to have a blessing from a loving father and a loving mother. God is sending you to the marriages, into your friendships, into your neighborhoods, into the needs of Austin. And he's sending you with authority. Now, I know that many of you have agreed with everything that has been said up to this point. It's great to know that Jesus has lived this way and that the disciples have lived this way. But, but me? But really, me? I think the most common barrier between Christians uh, living with greater authority is a misunderstanding of humility. It's really dangerous, friends. We know that humility is a part of the Christian life, but there's a distortion of humility that many of us have agreed with, and it's really, really dangerous. What I'm talking about is a self-focused life where we really doubt that God could use us. And it's rampant among churches. It's been rampant among my life. We really doubt if God could send us out with authority. We say, I'm, I'm too new to this, I'm too broken, I have too big of a past, too much regret. I know that God uses uh, people who are more put together, who know more about the Bible, who are more virtuous. Maybe God would, would send out the better version of me, maybe the me one year from now. Once I've mastered that thing, I've had that spiritual breakthrough, I've gotten over that issue, and it's always further down the road, always out there in the future, never here, never now, and what makes this even worse is we call it humility. We wrap it up in a virtue and we live down here. And I wonder if Jesus ever wanted breaks into our life and say, yeah, who are you? <laughs> exactly. Who are you to tell me who I will use and who I won't use? Who are you to think that I am limited based on your abilities. Who are you to say no to the opportunity and the invitation to partner with me to change this world? It's not about you. It's about me. So stop playing small and stop calling it humility. It's not helping anyone. So I think we've taken this misconstrued idea of humility and it's allowed us to live small, live with small faith, Small discipline, little courage. And I'm not one to overdo spiritual warfare, but I think how smart would it be for the enemy, how smart would it be for there to be an enemy who would get us to live with little authority and do it underneath the guise of humility? If only I could get them to doubt that God could use them. If only I could get them to play it safe, to play it small, and to be mere spectators in life the battle would be won. What a great idea. Church family, the, the stakes are too high. They're too high for your souls. They're too high for our communities. The stakes are too high for the needs that are here in Austin. This matters. And this matters, and we've experienced this in our own life. We've experienced how God has used people like you and me to make a difference. One of my favorite questions to ask people is, what is something small that was done to you in your life that made a big difference? That's my, one of my favorite questions to ask people, because you get to hear little snapshots of how authority, small bits of authority, can really change people's life. I visited with a guy this week, and he came to know Christ because after a huge keg party, 
The next day, he woke up and was cleaning his front yard, and his neighbor came over, and he was like, ugh. This neighbor was a churchgoer, and he knew it. And he walked, uh, the neighbor walked over into his yard and said, just simply, um, I, know, I know, Chad, that you're struggling right now. And I just want to let you know that God knows your name, and I'm praying for you. And there's something about that. It, maybe it could have sounded judgmental to us, but for something about that, it was just kindness. And it just melted him. And it started like this journey of grace. And his neighbor said, and by the way, someone's bumper's in my front yard. Could you mind getting it? <laughs> I know a woman who went through a really nasty divorce. She was ashamed and she was afraid to go to church because she was afraid of being judged. She went to church and she was judged. It was the very thing that she was afraid of. But two women saw this happen and they grabbed her by the hand. They walked her into uh, the sanctuary. They sat down and they worshiped with her. And for her, looking back decades ago, she said, I could have sworn that God was sitting by my side. These women sat with authority. Someone on our staff talked about how a person in her life who didn't even know her that well, they saw giftings in her and they, they stopped her and said, I see this in you. You have this gift. You have this ability. I hope you're using it. And it was something about that little conversation with someone that she's not even in relationship with anymore. Something about that just gave her courage to live it out. And she started living it out. And, and her life is different now. That person spoke and encouraged with authority. I know a man in our church who went through this tragedy and without invitation or, or without request, people started pouring love into his life over and over again. He said one time he was sitting in his living room and he heard someone mowing his front yard <laughs> without ever asking it. And a little bit as a man, he was like, uh, I can do this. But then he saw this person mowing just, just in his silence. They didn't even know he was home. And he started to realize that God was surrounding him with love and encouragement. That person was mowing with authority. This woman who does our church, our signs for our church, uh, she's befriended some guys that live in the woods behind our office. And I asked her after a while, I said, why, why are you doing this and bringing them food and helping them navigate all the problems of homelessness? And she said, uh, I have a son who lives in Seattle and uh, he's homeless. I can't find him. But I, I, know where that, I know where that guy is. And I hope, that, hope there's someone up there in Seattle that's loving my son like I can love this man. That's loving with authority. Small acts done with great authority can change this world. They can change this world. But Jesus didn't merely send us to go and do these things. I just want to share this thing right here. And that great commission. Did you notice the bookends? This is what's going to move us from inactivity and small living and safe living into action. Is Notice the bookends of this. Jesus said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. And then we focus on all this stuff of go and do and busy and do all these things that no one feels equipped to do. And we focus on that. But what we neglect is all authority has been given to me. On, and surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. The living God with all authority is not only sending you, but he's with you as you go. He is with you every step of the way to live in great vulnerability and great 
authority. This is who Jesus was and this is who Jesus is. And God is not done changing this world. He calls for us to follow him, the living God with all authority, calling us to live with vulnerability and power. I want to send you guys off with this image. Um, Does anyone know where this statue is? Atlas, right? And where, where, is it, where is the statue? Rockefeller Center, that's right. So, David, you mentioned this is your favorite story. I remember that two weeks ago. Atlas Shrug. This right here is Atlas with the world on his shoulders, right? Here he is right here. Do you know what's across the street from Atlas? A church, yeah. St. Patrick's Church is right across the street. This is what I love to imagine. This is what I love to imagine right now is on Good Friday when we think about the day in which Jesus was crucified, the doors of St. Patrick's open up, and here are two depictions staring at one another, Jesus on the cross and Atlas with the world on his shoulders. Two depictions of power, two depictions of authority, but the world different. One is power with very little vulnerability, and the other one shows and depicts a gospel of how the world can be changed through wounds. How the world can be changed through the offering of a vulnerable self. This is what happens through the life of Jesus that we get to see these two depictions staring at one another and we get to choose how are we going to live? Are we going to live with Jesus' type of life and authority or are we going to seek to live with this world's? Because we have in Jesus this victim and this victor telling the world of the real gospel. So I want to end with something different. If you guys will stand, we're going to finish with a song of worship. But I want to conclude. I just want to, I just want to say something over you. I want to give you a blessing. I just, want to, I just want you, as we finish this series, I want you to just know something. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead the same type of power that lives in you. The same spirit lives in you. And remember that passage when Jesus started his ministry. I just want to say this over you because God's not done redeeming this world. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on you, my friends, because God has anointed you. He has given you power to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent you to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind. He's sent you to those who are oppressed right now so that in and through your life they could experience freedom and deliverance. That what you do with your life, you can say that this year, this time, this day is the time of the Lord's favor. This is God's time He's showing up and giving mercy and grace to you. Friends, receive that spirit of power and live in such a way that you get to partner with God to change this world. Let's worship that Jesus. Amen?